0: You know, and some of the residents, when you first go in and you start talking to the residents, they don't want to necessarily talk to you, even though you're coming in and you are saying you're going to fix this property or you're going to be the new owner or you're looking at it. They're kind of still looking at you a little weary. Um, I remember we were talking to one lady, I forget which unit it was, and we were there probably for a good 15 minutes before she realized that we were actually there to help not necessarily to try to find ways to uh, evict her or do something else and she was like oh so you guys are here to help oh well the bathroom upstairs is leaking and you know the light isn't working correctly and the film i mean she started talking about all of these things
1: as an operator i know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing and i'm looking to learn from other investors mistakes i know you are too You found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. James has joined me today because I didn't feel like it would be right to have other people come up on the podcast and start talking about their missteps in multifamily without us going through and talking about some of the missteps that we've had in our journey in the multifamily space. James, how are you today, man?
0: Man, I am excellent. I choose to be happy. I choose to take the day for what it is. And I choose to get the most out of what today has to offer. It's all mindset.
1: And it's easy to be able to get a dose of that mindset just about every day. Um, <laughs> when things are hitting the fan, you know, this podcast is being born out of me listening to about 40 hours of content every week and hearing people go on show after show after show and present the HGTV story of multifamily investing. I can tell you as an operator that it doesn't always go as planned. And more times than not, to have all kinds of surprises. And so James and I are about transparency. We like for people to actually know what's going on in the business because we don't want to sell anybody a dream. And so if you guys don't know, or if you do know, back in the fall of 2019, we launched Myers Methods, which is our education platform. And we took a cohort of our individuals through the course, and now they're part of the pack and they're out seeking deals and they're on the hunt. And so James, you know, I don't, this isn't scripted. We, we never know <laughs> on the camera and we hit record, man. What do you think?
0: I think it's an excellent idea, primarily because you go on a lot of podcasts and you hear these people telling about how they uh, made a certain amount of profits, everything went great, or there was a horrible issue, but they never tell you how they actually fixed the issue. They just say, yeah, 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 something happened, but now everything is great. And really, the secret sauce, all of the magic, all of, uh, to me, the profits are made from the operational side. When you're able to look at those missteps and transform those obstacles into opportunities for profits, um, and to really be able to help walk people through that, things are going to happen. In any deal, things are going to happen. But the question is, how are you going to respond to that? It goes back to what you were saying about mindset. But eventually, those thoughts have to matriculate to actions, and the actions what, of what you do when you have a misstep, that's going to be the thing that will transform that obstacle into an opportunity. Amazing. So, you know, we've got a four-step
1: process. We find deals, we fund them, we fix them, and we flip them. Over the past few weeks, we've seen a whole lot of variations of yeah. says that we've been touting since last year when we first did our... Sp- first educational seminar. And so finding the deal is where you decide whether or not you have a lead or a deal, right? And they have the same letters, but they are not the same thing, right? And so there's a lot of opportunities and missteps that happen there, but most people don't hear about them or talk about them because that deal, the leads never get bought. It's only deals that end up getting bought. The banks step in and prevent you from buying a lead that you think is a deal. Then when you get into funding, there's so many things that can go wrong during your due diligence period. You can uh, miss something in your model. You can not underwrite something that was presented by the seller correctly. You can not turn on (laughs) utilities when you're doing inspections during your due diligence. (laughs) You can not raise enough money to do your deal. There's just so many things that can go wrong in a funding phase. The crazy part about it is you know that's usually two to six months and so there's a whole lot of people who either don't get into the deal and so they don't get to share the story and you don't really find out about the struggles that happen you know anybody who raises money knows that there's a whole lot that goes into making the sausage and nobody actually talks about it and then you get into the fix-it phase And, you know, people talk about filling it. Well, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens before you get occupancy. And so how do you actually work with your property managers to get these things performing in an optimal space? And then the final thing is flipping it. And flipping it doesn't mean sell it. You can uh, refinance it as well as sell it, just depending on what your exit strategy is. And in that space, you can do a whole lot of things wrong. Go under contract with the wrong group, um, misreport your financials. There's just a ton of opportunities to stumble and bump your knee or your foot as you're going through the process. And so, you know, with all that said, you know, James let's talk about some of the challenges that we've had and maybe one or two of these things, you know, this podcast is meant to be, you know, pretty short 25 minutes or less. And so let's just give these guys a little bit of content and then we'll start bringing other operators from around the country on so that you guys can learn from their experiences as well.
0: Well, I think it's cool because we have slightly different perspectives. You know, your perspective is as an operator. My perspective is as a partner, investor, and key principal. And so for those of you that are being seasoned to be key principals and you're coming with your balance sheet and you want to help you know, make that deal move forward, then you need to understand what you're looking at and what some of the missteps are that can happen. Just because the operator comes to you and says, hey, these numbers look great and it's 100% occupied and we're going to be able to bump rents up $100 day one doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case um and so yes this is educational yes these we're going to talk about missteps but keep in mind the different perspectives with which we approach uh you know the the topic so man uh where do you want to start mr myers um you want to start at the first one the first property that we purchased in greensboro
1: yeah let's do that because i've got all kinds of mistakes i probably have an example for every part of the process right okay. when we for finding the deal um this one was pretty simple you know it was direct mail uh the seller met me on site after he receiving my piece and then calling me and we walked through the property and he showed me a couple of vacants but he didn't show me everything right and so I didn't know if I had a lead or a deal, but I was able to get what he was looking for from a purchase price perspective, as well as an overall feel for what the community looked like. What I didn't know was there were two units that were down and a third that should have been down, but I didn't really know how to tell it was down because the utilities were off. And so I think that in the funded phase, when we were doing the due diligence, I think that piece was the one that was the biggest struggle. We had a unit that had a broken water pipe. And because we did not turn on the utilities during the due diligence phase, we didn't know that the water pipe was broken. And so when we closed and we started fixing the property and we went into that unit to bring it back online, we turned the water on, water came through the wall, ran down to the first floor and ruined the whole kitchen the floor, the cabinets, everything. And so we had a budget budgeted for doing all that stuff because it was in good condition when we purchased the property. But you know that was a pretty big hit to our rehab budget. Um,
0: and if and- I'm not mistaken, Jerome, that the, the uh, previous owner were using some of the things from those other units to replace stuff in the units that were occupied. It was, it was like a scrap area. Yeah. You know, repurposing refrigerators or repurp- repurposing the, um, you know, the, the oven or the stove. Uh, and then one of the units, I think, was uh, just straight up uh, boarded up.
1: One of them was boarded up. Yes. So unit E was boarded Not unit E. Yeah, unit E was boarded up. And so that part was crazy because there was a leak and the whole floor was covered in mold and so we didn't we found that out during the actual due diligence period during the inspection Um, we hadn't went in that unit before we thought that you know somebody may have been living there the curtains were down and we just didn't want to disturb the tenant on the previous walkthroughs but what we did when we did actually go in we had to go in through the back the door was boarded shut uh they had a two by four I say it's going across the front door, it had been kicked in before is what had happened. And so they just tucked the unit down and just left it um, unfunctional. And so what's up guys, it's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know, we launched Myers Methods in the fall of 2019 with the ambition to inspire a new breed of multifamily investor. If you are interested in getting into multifamily or scaling your current business, hop over to our website at myysmethods.com to grab your free four-step guide on how to get the ball rolling in multifamily. Now let's get back to the episode. So, you know, when we're looking at the numbers, we're like, oh, man, this property is amazing. You know, rents are, they're below market rents by at least a hundred bucks, maybe even 125 or 150 bucks. The owner right now is only collecting about uh, 70% or no, 60% of what we think the property can collect. Mm -hmm. And so let's go in and, and grab this thing. And we bought it at a reasonable cap rate on the existing financials. But, you know, there were a ton of what I call hidden surprises when we actually got into it. And it's why apartments, uh, wild animals now.
0: Yeah. And, And I would say that this is one of the things when you're looking at your due diligence, that there's a big difference between physical occupancy and economical occupancy. Who's actually paying? Right. You know, just because a unit is physically occupied doesn't mean that people are actually paying their rent or current on their rents.
1: It's true. And when you're buying from mom and pops, you know, the delinquency reports aren't very good and they don't actually show you how many times people have been late or any of that other stuff. And so, you know, having an accurate understanding of what is happening at the property before you get into it, it's tougher on some of these smaller properties. And part of the reason why we wanted to have these conversations is we believe that the majority of people, are gonna come in and they're gonna go tuna fishing or even dolphin fishing when they come into multifamily. They're not gonna go out there and hunt Moby Dick, not on their first deal. And so you know, a lot of the luxuries that folks have that are taking down these 100 or 150 plus deals, um, you don't have those on the smaller properties. And so we wanna help people figure out, hey, if you're gonna go do your first JV or your next JV, uh, what is actually happening at the property before or things to look out for It's kind of buyer beware type opportunities for you guys.
0: Yeah. I I mean, as a key principle, um, you know, looking at the numbers, doing the review, uh, running a model, running my own underwriting model, and then looking at the underwriting model that you ran, um, and then trying to bring all of that together to make sense of what the owner provided to us and what the actual bills and numbers were saying. Uh, that was a task in and of itself. Uh, making sure that we comb through and don't miss anything from a modeling perspective. But back to the actual physical property, um, I think, you know, one of the things is making sure that you do not underestimate uh, the amount of money that you need to raise in order to do the repairs. Um, that's a a big one, as Jerome said, one of the missteps was not knowing that the you the water pipe was broken in the one unit. Another part of that is looking at what the physical occupancy is versus economic occupancy is. And then you really have no clue on what all of the deferred maintenance issues are. Um, You know, some of the residents, when you first go in and you start talking to the residents, they don't want to necessarily talk to you, even though you're coming in and you are saying you're going to fix this property or you're going to be the new owner or you're looking at it they're kind of still looking at you a little weary. Um, I remember we were talking to one lady, I forget which unit it was. And we were there probably for a good 15 minutes before she realized that we were actually there to help, not necessarily to try to find ways to uh, evict her or do something else. And she was like, oh, so you guys are here to help? Oh, well, the bathroom upstairs is leaking. And... You know, the light isn't working correctly and the filter, I mean, she started talking about all of these things that were going on. I think when we, you know, took over the, the unit, some of the units, the air filters were severely clogged, like, like the tenants didn't know to change them and the maintenance folks didn't offer to change them. The maintenance folks didn't say, Hey, you may need to change your filters because the filters, they weren't in a convenient place. You know, for them to be replaced. And so being able to uh, come in and look at the property and understand what some of the ongoing maintenance needs are is important, not just for you, but for the health of your tenants. Um, and being able to, e- even if you don't physically go do it, but to tell the tenant what the recommended maintenance is on that particular air filter. You know, you probably need to change your air filter every uh, 30 to 90 days. It's not for, uh, a building safety reason is more so for the safety and health of your tenant.
1: Awesome, man. And so, like we promised, this thing's only going to be 20, 25 minutes long. And so, we're going to wrap this episode up the inaugural episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Uh, James, I appreciate you jumping on with me. Bearing your soul a little bit, pulling that Band-Aid off and re-exposing some of those wounds from, you know, these battle scars we have, man. It's just exciting to have a partner like you in this space. And I look forward to doing many more of these. Got tremendous response on LinkedIn yesterday. Over It's close to like, it's over 2,000 views on the post. Had a number of different operators from all over the country get tagged and volunteer to go ahead and join. And so it looks like we're going to be booked out for the next three months already. I, I think coronavirus might be helping out with people being free to do pie. <laughs> um, with that, man,
0: any closing thoughts on your end? Hey, listen, everyone, uh, we have this stuff going on with the coronavirus. This is serious, you know, stay in place, do what, uh, you know, the physicians and stuff are telling you to do. And while you're staying in place and you're hunkered down, Uh, You have to choose how you respond to this. So you can choose to be sad. You can choose to kind of go into yourself and really be isolated. Or you can choose to be happy to look at this opportunity as an opportunity for you to learn, an opportunity for you to grow, an opportunity for you to reach out on the phone virtually to those people that are closest to you, to those people that mean something to you. So don't let this social distancing make you become too distant. You made it to this juncture, so
1: you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor, give us a five-star rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack
0: is with you.